this morning, we're going to have a conversation uh, that really kind of sparked from a client of ours, a longtime client. And, uh, and now that we've done the podcast for more than five seconds, a longtime listener, not just a first time caller. So, and he made the comment. He said, uh, you, you guys talk about this idea of flow versus buckets as almost if it was a uh, sort of a throwaway thing that like a shorthand that everybody should know, but like, I don't exactly know what you mean when you say that. And so what we thought we'd do today is kind of walk through what we mean when we say it's about flow, not about buckets, and sort of break that out a little bit. So Mary, give us, a, I think there's examples where buckets are amazing, and maybe some examples of what we mean when we say buckets. Well, I think um, uh, the example that comes to mind for me would be your 401k, right? That's a bucket that you put your money into and you know you're going to leave it in the bucket and it has a very specific outcome that you are going to use it for. But if we're looking for a time a bucket makes sense um, inside of your 401k, if you're getting a match, then it makes sense to put some money in that bucket because you're getting a bunch of free money that comes along with it and then will also compound and grow for you. So when I think of a bucket that could potentially be a good place um, to put money, you know, the benefits that you're getting from either a 401k or a Roth 401k that's being matched, to me, that's a bucket that makes sense because you have benefits other than just the compounding. Yeah. And I, and I always kind of think of buckets in the framework of it is $1 doing one job. And that, and right. that is sort of, to me, the classic definition of a bucket. Uh, right. If, and I think, I think that's how most people think about their money is just, I'm going to put my money somewhere and then I don't have to spend a whole, whole lot of time thinking about it. It's going to compound and grow and eventually I'll get to use that money. But that, that is a very, I don't know, it's, it's not necessarily the most productive way to think about it. Well, but I think that's how we grew up thinking about it. Like uh, we, we had this exercise a couple months ago where we were cleaning out a closet and we had piles and piles of crap, clothes, shoes, whatever. And there were three buckets. There was a, we're going to keep this. We're going to throw this in the garbage because it has holes and nobody knows who, whatever's on the t-shirt, no right? No one wants it. Yeah, nobody wants it. And then there was a third pile of, hey, these kids' clothes are, are really great clothes, but our kids are too, they've outgrown the clothes. So we're going to go. Uh, give it to family, churches, charities, where, wherever that goes. Okay. So we had three buckets, right? Uh, and I think you talked about, and I think we've actually done a podcast on this, but I've forgotten. You've talked about sort of a budgeting system for, for families that are kind of bucketed based. Right. Yeah. And I think all yeah, of those are really positive. Yeah. I mean, that, that I think is more so this is, you're right, this is a point where buckets, I think, can be really good because you have the money that you know you're going to spend immediately for bills and living expenses and that sort of thing. You right. have your short-term savings, and then you have the savings that are meant for, like, income creation. They're not just a, a safety net kind of thing. And so when you, when you kind of earmark it that way, that type of bucketing system, I think, is it makes it easier to actually deal with where the flow of money is going, right? Because some money is going to flow into that main expense account. Some money is going to flow into your short-term savings. And then some money is going to flow into the savings for the long haul, right? And so having a bucket is not necessarily exclusive of paying attention to flow, but I think maybe, um, you know, thinking about, okay, what do I really want these dollars to do? 
I think it's definitely easier to think in terms of buckets, but it's not always better. So the budgeting system, I think, is helpful because it automates the budget. And then when you get the money that is meant for the long term, that's once once you put the money in that sort of category of this is long term savings, then I think paying attention to how the money is flowing becomes even more important. But I would also say that it's important when you have large expenditures like buying a car or a down payment on a house or, um, you know, anything that maybe is not considered an investment, but it's money that's flowing away from you. Because I think part of the problem that we have is that we, we think about that small amount of money that we can save, and then we put it in a bucket and we say, you, you grow for me, as opposed to looking at our money as a dynamic system. Right. Because do you remember right. from it's- way, way back in the day, the four rules of every financial institution, right? And mm-hmm. I'm going to botch these up, but you'll, you'll be here to catch me on some of this, right? The, the financial <laughs> institution wants your money. That is the number one rule right. of the financial institution. And they want it on a regular basis. They want you to keep putting money in. If you give them $10 a month, they don't want that to ever stop. Right. They want it to be predictable and right. reliable. Right. Right. And they want it to make, they want it to be hard for you to get out. Yeah. They want to hold on to it as long as possible. And right. then they want to make it they want to make it as difficult as possible for you to get your money. Right. So that's how right. they're using their money or that's how they're teaching you to use their money, teaching you how to interact. Right. But that's not mm-hmm. what they actually go do. Right. It's about flow right. once they have it. Cause if you think about what a bank does, right. You make a deposit at the bank then the bank is going to lend it out. And as that comes back in with a return, they're going to lend it out again. Right. And so a lot of banks will loan out your money 10 or even 20 times, depending on how the, uh, the account itself is regulated. So a business account has different rules than a personal account and a checking account has different rules than a savings account. But when you think about what they're doing, it is really that flow of money going out the door and back in, out the door and back in that becomes so important for the generation of wealth for the financial institution. Because if they just take the money and sit it in the vault and they never loan it out, they aren't actually making money. And so when you when you think about exactly what you just said, you're putting money into that bucket and leaving it there. But then what the bank is doing is they're flowing it in and out of the banking system through different hands and creating multiple returns from $1. And I think there's something to be learned from that, because if you're if you're just thinking in terms of like an easy button, then parking your money somewhere does create a benefit for you, but you're giving up other benefits when you make that decision. And so, you know, a lot of times too, when we talk to clients, they're very focused on the cost of something, but they are not at all focused on the opportunity cost, which is what am I giving up by making this decision? So it's easier to measure that real short cost, right? Without paying attention to the opportunity cost. But when you start paying attention to what else could I be doing with this money? It's amazing how a completely different world opens up where you start thinking in terms of, okay, I need this $1 to do more than one thing for me. Right. Right. And I think college planning is probably one of the biggest examples of this. So do you want to talk to that? Yeah, no, I, we, and we've had this conversation before about sort of 529s versus really anything else as far as dealing with college planning, but the 529 Mm -hmm. is the ultimate easy button. I I take money out of my paycheck. I dump it into this 529 and it is purpose built for accumulating, growing money and distributing money to to colleges or to, to the individual. To pay one dollar, one bucket, one spend. Right. 
And, and the challenge we always have with that is that there's, you have about a 30 year period, compound interest curves about a 30 year curve, right? So you build, you build, you build, you build, that money is growing, it's compounding. And at the height of its growth, at the height of its power, uh, you're destroying that, that engine, you're liquidating that bucket and all the power that it had to go pay for college. And then that once that compounding is over, it's over. You've got to start that, you've got to start that ship over again. And so that to me is sort of the classic example of why a 529 is, is a tool for college, but it's probably not the most efficient tool for college because it's $1 doing one job. And we talked a lot about, um, and Mary, you, I remember you had this conversation, I think on the podcast, but I think other 4,000 other conversations, but flowing that money for school through cash flowing assets, building up an asset like insurance or a securities back line of credit borrowing against that money, buying property, the property buys, pays for school, the, uh, the, and then the money keeps going through. And then maybe you jettison the property to go start your kiddos off for, for a better life when well, they're there, or it goes to you. Right. And, and in that situation, you're never killing off the golden goose, right? So if right. you think about what happens, most people work really, really hard for their money. They stick it in buckets and then they basically pour out those buckets every time they're making a spend as opposed to figuring out how they can take the money that they're saving, purchase assets of some form, right? That are producing cash flow and then using the cash flow so that they're never giving up the asset itself. And I think one of the right. things that prevents people from really truly becoming wealthy is this $1, one bucket, one purpose mentality that is very, very pervasive in our society. Right. Yeah. Whereas if you think about that system, it gives you an opportunity. If you're using a, a flow system or a thinking about your money as a, a dynamic system, right? You make right. very different choices and you have the ability to educate your kids differently. So if I put my money into like a, a whole life cash value insurance contract that's structured for liquidity and internal rate of return then at some point in time, I can borrow against that. Now I'm not borrowing from it. I think that language is really clear. Um, I'm borrowing against it. So what really happens is I right. borrow money from the insurance company and I'm never interrupting the compounding that's happening on my policy. And then I can use that money as a down payment for some form of property. Let's say I do a vacation rental just because it's easy and it's approachable, even if I'm not an accredited investor. And if that then begins producing cash flow, if within a one to two or even a three-year time period, I can replenish the loan, pay it all the way back, then right. after that, I essentially have recouped all of my dollars um, and they're, they're all available for use again, but I have an ongoing stream of income. And so I can repeat that process multiple times using essentially the seed capital, but I'm never giving up growth on that. And now I not only have the insurance contract, but I also have the real estate. And because I have more cash flow and more income coming in, now I can almost supercharge or speed up that entire system right. by repeating the process. And I think even in terms of talking to like my kids about this, um, my 10 year old is currently like all over realtor.com trying to figure out where she wants to purchase a vacation rental property um, with her college funds so that she can start building that. And she understands that it will be her responsibility to manage that. And obviously we're going to do it together and I'm going to help her with that. 
But think about the difference even from a knowledge perspective that she's going to have by the time she graduates from college. But even beyond the difference in knowledge about money, think about how different her life is going to be. Because if she manages to find two or three uh, investment properties that she's managing, by the time she goes to college, not only will her college be paid for, but she's going to have a totally different lifestyle than most college kids. And when she graduates, she's still going to have all these income streams and the original funds that I put into the policy in the first place versus if I put the same amount of money into a 529, she would spend them and then have to start her life from scratch. And I think that's, 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 I think you're right in that that is the most, that is one of the simplest ways to actually see the impact of using a bucket versus paying attention to the flow of money and reusing right. the same dollar multiple times. But I think paying attention to that concept, not just in terms of college planning, but also in terms of how you're structuring your own finances makes a huge difference. I mean, I, I think about right. um, a meeting that last week where we showed somebody they could take what a 25% reduction in pay um, by taking a 25% reduction in hours worked um, and get to potentially get to retirement in a five-year time period and have an extra $100,000 of income per year just by building out the foundational system for money flow. And then we showed them how if they actually flowed the money through the system one time, it increased the, the income by what, almost $100,000 yeah. or something like that. And, and, and obviously, like we don't have all the data for everybody on the show right behind that. But it, right. you know, I, I think about that and either you're, you're shaving off the years that you have to work because you're getting multiple returns or multiple uses out of your dollar, or right. by the time you get there, you have more income because your dollars are creating multiple benefits along the way. And that, that to me, you know, I think we did an earlier podcast where we talked about how scary it is to look at things differently than your next door neighbor. Yep, but if you keep doing things, yeah, you keep doing things the way that you were taught to do them and you don't explore ideas that are new or different, then you're just going to get what everyone else gets. And definitely sometimes we talk to people who are like, well, I don't need this big lifestyle. And I'm like, this isn't about necessarily living some crazy, you know, social media lifestyle. This is about figuring out how to be efficient with the dollars, flow them through this, this dynamic system and get to the point where you have replaced your income sooner so that you can choose how you spend your time. And for some yeah. people, they, they might only need $50,000 of income per year in order to make drastic changes in how they're spending their time. For other clients of ours, it's 500,000 before they would be willing to make changes. But I think, I think it still goes back to the same principles can get you there, but you have to be willing to look at your money in a very different way because we grow up with lots of unconscious biases about everything in life. And I think right. money is definitely one of those areas where we look at things differently. I mean, I think even, even just the terminology sometimes that people use in middle-class households, you say the word debt, we know debt is bad. In the ultra wealthy, they don't use words like debt. They use words like leverage. It's a completely different word for the how they're approaching. <laughs> for, yeah, but they have totally different connotations. And because of that, 
it, it, you know, language shapes the way we view the world. And so we have to be careful even about that. Right. And that's where I think buckets versus flow gives people, I think it's brilliant that you keep bringing that up, honestly, because I'm going to give credit where credit is due. That is, that is an Ericism right there, buckets versus flow. And I think it, it gives people a very easy way to measure the decision, right? Am I just parking this in a bucket or have I designed this in a way where I can flow the money into other things and create multiple benefits with it? And I don't mean like, oh, I put this here so I get some tax benefits and some return. I mean, is your dollar doing more than one job? Right. Well, and I think the shorthand of that could be buckets and flow. I think the other shorthand for that is what you said earlier is, am I killing the goose? Like if I look at the 529, because it's just such an easy, it's a very tight, uh, uh, perfect example of, of sort of a bucket, right? At the end of this experiment, at the end of this process, if I sort of I fast forward 18 years or however old your kids are, right? And at the end of this, will I have destroyed the bucket that I'm using for this tool, for this for this purpose, then you know it's a bad idea, right? Because if you if you killed the goose at the end of the deal, that's you need to go back and redo the experiment. Okay, at the end of this, in this path A, I'm killing the goose, and path B, I'm not killing the goose. Then you know that path B is at least the right direction. Now there may be a path C, D, and E on the other end of it, but then that becomes more of a mathematical exercise and strategic. But at least at the beginning, is at the end of this, if the goose is dead, it's the wrong answer. Go back and do the problem right. again. It's it's better to create a goose, let it lay the egg, right? Maybe you eat some of the eggs, but the others you let hatch into other gooses, right? And right. in the end, you end up with multiple gooses laying multiple eggs. And you you're right, don't kill the goose. Right. And and I think that's the shorthand, but it to your point, we never and I I I'm a big fan of your dad's. He's the reason I'm in this industry. He's I'm a big fan of my right. dad. He's he's another reason uh, that I'm in the industry. I think we we become our fathers and mothers, uh, whether we want to or not. It just happens. Uh, mm -hmm. But you, I made a comment the other day, and I was like, "But what about this? What about this? What about this?" He's like, "But remember, our parents grew up in this very linear world," and I and I think there was this rite of passage. Of, I'm doing a presentation later on this week, of of hustle and grind, like go go go, all quit. Uh, and, and this mentality that the more your job hurts and the more you're grinding it out, the more you puke every morning before you get into work is sort of like a badge of honor that you're, you're doing a good job. And it may just be a guy thing. I don't know. But like, if I haven't puked three <laughs> times in the middle of my workout, I'm not working out hard enough kind of thing. But I, but I yeah. think we have this sort of, as if I'm sort of skirting, as if I'm sort of cheating by doing things a different way. If I don't mm -hmm. succeed by puking 400 times in the middle of the process, then I didn't really earn my keep. You know what I mean? And it, and I think sure. that's the other end is it it's it's trying to help people think through a different way to go do it. So you get the same outcome, but it's a little more flowy. It's a little more purpose right. built, and it's it's it doesn't have well, to be think, all grind grind grind. Yeah, and I don't know if this is an appropriate analogy for this or not, but I think a lot of times, like if you look at like a professional dancer just as an example, like they make these really complicated movements look very, very simple. Whereas if you were to stick me on the dance floor and say, go do this, you would be able to tell how very hard I was working. Right. And I think right. there's, there's sort of like, look, look how hard I'm making my money work for me. 
as opposed to, no, 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 look, if you just do it more efficiently, look at this beautiful thing that emerges and it doesn't necessarily take, it takes a different kind of work, right? It's, it's just different. And it, I think that's, I don't know, I go back to this idea. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of circle it back to the bucket versus the flow side of things, putting your money in buckets, like you maybe can get to the same result, but it's real awkward trying to get there. It's hard. It's difficult. It's grindy. It's all of those things well, that you do. You start the flywheel every time you start the flywheel from right. the very beginning, all the way around every time. All the way around. Whereas if you start to think about a dynamic system, then money begets money. Right. And I think, I think this goes back to, and I had this conversation over the weekend with some friends, right. Which is poverty begets poverty and wealth begets wealth. And some of that is because you have totally different um, advantages, possibly if you're starting out from such a different place. But I think a lot of it is actually just mindset. And if you grow up in a family that is teaching you, okay, here's what you do. Here's how you flow your money. And then by the time you're an adult, you already have all that history and experience and that paradigm that you're viewing through. And it doesn't, it's easy doesn't to seem weird. That. Right. It's not weird or scary. Whereas if you've been taught, like put your money in a savings account and, you know, maybe put some of it into your 401k, but don't ever touch it. You have a different experience with not just with money, but with life. And I think right. that's where this buckets flow, buckets flow, right? Again, the money is just a tool that is meant to help you create right. the life. And so you can take a tool and have it only do one thing for you, or you can, you know, use it to build something that then creates other things, right? Yeah. And, and as we you, kind of close this out, I, th I think one of the things that hits me whenever I think through this, because we do financial plans all day long, every day, that's kind of our job. Right. Uh, and in the little calculator, when do we want to retire? It's reflexive for me to put 65 because that's kind of the mentality, right? We, we have to pick a day. We have to pick a number because it's a math program. That's how we're trained to look at it. But that's how we're trained to look at it. And since we've had these conversations over the last six months to a year to 18 years, however long we've feels like we've been having these conversations, the more and more and more I'm delving into these things. It's like, I don't want to put 65, not just for me, but like for this couple, for this family, I don't like, it almost kills me to put 65. Cause I think about, and they're, they're 30, they're 35, they're 40, they're 40. I mean, that's 20 years. 45 or 50. Well, right. But then, and then I think through like having them talk about what they do and what the decisions they're making in their jobs and having them talk about how much they hate their job, but they got to get it done. And they're like, oh, they're almost done. And I can do this for another 10 years. And is if they're taking medicine and I'm like, Hey, but we got to do it different, you know? And it's like having, trying to have that different conversation has been a lot of fun. Uh, well, I think, I think some of this too, um, I think the buckets versus flow conversation makes you think about money differently too, because um, if I have $1 doing one thing, I'm going to, by, by, by nature, I am probably going to take more risk because I have to have a really high return, right? Right. So I'm going to expose myself to risk because I have $1 and it needs to create a large return. Whereas if I have dollars within a system, right, the dynamic system, and we're flowing those dollars each return can actually be a smaller return. Not that it has to be, but it can be. You can take less risk 
because you are being more efficient and end up with more. And so even this idea that I have to take more risk so that I get there, I need to be more aggressive so that I can get to my end goal, I think in a lot of ways is a myth. Because if we are looking at a dynamic system, instead of having my dollar create a 10%, and I'm making up math, right? This is purely hypothetical. Instead of having $1 shooting for a 10% return, I can have my dollar shooting for a 4% return. But if I'm reusing the dollar through the system and flowing it through into different assets, maybe they're producing 6 or 7%, right? And now all of a sudden, that's a much larger return overall than the 10% one time would be. And so if we start to think in terms of flow, we don't have to put it all on red in the hopes that it gets there. We can just build a foundation that builds on itself so that you end up with more because of that flow. Right. And, And I think the perfect analogy for this is something that we've been talking about for a long time. It's net worth is useless. All I really care about is income. Right. It's a flow versus right. buckets problem, right? I mean, it is the, the culmination at 65 well, net worth of this is problem. A measure, yeah, and net worth is a measure of how big is your bucket. Eric, that's brilliant. What you just said, like, it's, it's my turn to get to tell you how brilliant right. you are today because <laughs> you're like hitting the nail on the head here, right? Net worth is a measure of how big is your bucket. Income is a measure of your cash flow. Right. Totally different measurements. And so if you're going to be using a dynamic system, the flow that is being created by your assets is infinitely more important than the size of the bucket is. Not that the size of the bucket is irrelevant because it's not, it's just a different measurement. And it's the secondary measurement, not the primary. Right. Knowing what you should be measuring, I think changes the way you make your decisions. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So I got nothing if you else guys on have that. Questions, I can only I can only destroy it. You you closed it. I just underlined it. That's all. So uh, if you guys have questions about buckets versus flow and where your strategy falls, feel free to reach out to us. You can find me at the Wealth Woman on Facebook or Instagram. You can also find me as the Wealth Woman or as myself, Mary Kane Lyons, on uh, on LinkedIn. Eric, where can I find you? Economics with Eric on Instagram and Facebook, and then Eric Alexander on LinkedIn as well. So thank you guys so much.